When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go, you Redbirds. Go, you Redbirds. On the battle, fight for ISU. Welcome to In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics podcast. Now, here's the voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald. Hi again, and welcome in. Glad you found us for another edition of In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. I'm John Fitzgerald, and over the next 35 minutes or so, we will cover some of the latest news at Illinois State Redbird Athletics, as well as sit down for a conversation with first-year head women's volleyball coach Allie Matters. But first, let's take a look back at a very busy week that was in Redbird country, as third-year sophomore center fielder Ryan Cermak heard his name called on the opening night to the 2022 Major League Baseball Amateur Draft. Cermak was selected by the Tampa Bay Rays in the second round on Sunday night, becoming the highest Redbird selected in the MLB draft since Neil Kotz back in 2001. Cermak was named the MVC Defensive Player of the Year this past spring after leading the Redbirds with a 340 batting average to go along with 19 home runs, 43 runs batted in, and 45 runs scored. The Riverside Brookfield native also garnered first-team All-MVC honors for the second consecutive season. Cermak becomes the eighth Redbird to sign a pro contract during Steve Holmes' four seasons at the helm of the Illinois State University baseball program. The Redbirds have unveiled its newest initiative for student-athletes with the launch of Visualize. Visualize is the department's comprehensive program for name, image, and likeness and will provide education, professional development, and community engagement to all Redbird student-athletes. For more information and details on the new Visualize program, they can be found online at GoRedbirds.com. 
The Illinois State men's and women's track and field programs have each earned all academic team honors from the U.S. Track and Field and Cross Country Association. Now, in order to qualify for the award, teams need to post a cumulative GPA of at least 3.0 on a four-point scale. The Redbird women achieved a mark of 3.24, while the men's program earned a GPA of 3.05. Six individuals also earned all academic honors. Rachel Hickey garnered all academic recognition on the women's side, while Ariel Latias, Joe Boyer, Logan Calvey, Cole McGuire, and Riley Wells earned the honor on the men's side. The Illinois State Women's Tennis Program also garnered all academic team honors from the Intercollegiate Tennis Association this past week. The Redbird tennis team led all Illinois State programs with a 3.77 team GPA this past spring. The Redbirds earned their fifth trip to the NCAA tournament last year after defeating Drake to capture the MVC tournament title. Six Redbirds earned Scholar-Athlete honors from the ITA, as Tiana Zlatanovich, Maria Pazzi, Alexandra Abiasova, Othelia Brodine, Tara Domjanovich, and Elena Jankulovska each posted GPAs over 3.5 this year. And finally, season ticket information has been released for Redbird Volleyball this coming fall as first-year head coach Allie Matters will play 12 regular season matches inside Redbird Arena. Adult general admission seats are available for just $65.00. Children 12 and under can receive free admission to all regular season contests with a Reggie's Kids Club membership card. Additionally, new courtside seating is available this fall with spots located directly across the team benches on the floor. For more information, visit GoRedbirds.com or call the Redbird Ticket Office at 309-438-8000. That's 309-438-8000. Don't forget to download and subscribe to In the Nest on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Learfield Varsity app, or wherever you consume your favorite podcasts. When we come back, we'll visit with new Redbird volleyball coach Allie Matters as In the Nest continues right after this timeout. Welcome back to In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. I'm John Fitzgerald. Our guest today, Redbirds' new head volleyball coach, Allie Matters. And coach, first of all, thanks so much for joining us today. I know the last four, maybe touching on five months, have been incredibly hectic since taking over in early March. But how has the transition been for you? Yeah, I think this is probably the last month or two. Um, I have slowly felt like myself again. I think those first couple of weeks I was like putting my clothes on inside out and backwards. Um, I'm like, where am I? I need my GPS to get everywhere that I was going. Um, and I think three or four weeks in, I finally could get back and forth from Redbird arena to my apartment without my GPS. And it's the small victories I'm telling you. Um, so no, I mean, it's, it's been now that I'm settled, I think at any time of transition or like a big life change, there's that, that little like hesitation of like, God, is this, is this the right choice? Did I make the right decision? And then, you know, a week, two weeks, three months in, I'm just like, this is one of the best decisions I've ever made. So I'm I'm really happy to be here. And, um, it's just, it's been a crazy transition, but I'm definitely getting settled and feeling more like myself. Well, that's great to hear. Obviously this is your second head coaching position at the division one level native of Buffalo, New York. So very hard tough 
from a winner's standpoint. But you ended up matriculated to Seton Hall in New Jersey, had an outstanding career. Two years, all Big East. You kind of wrapped up the playing career with a Big East championship your senior year. Was your experience at Seton Hall really where the coaching bug for volleyball hit you, or was it even before that? I think it was probably while I was at Seton Hall. Um, I knew that I had, you know, I don't think you can give every one of your athletes like this great, illustrious playing career. Um, but I just, I was lucky. I, I got, you know, I had a lot of playing time. I was able to contribute. I was able to get record books. I had a really good experience, and I just learned a lot from the staff that I had had. And um, I was actually, I was actually recruited by someone different. Like I was sitting, you know, dial up on my computer back in the day, um, and we got an email from our head coach that said that she, you know, was taking another job and that she wasn't going to be our coach anymore. And I just remember thinking, oh my god, am I going to play? Am I? Are they going to honor my scholarship and and all of these things and um, a gentleman named Chris Zider actually came in and took over Seton Hall and it was his first second head coaching gig. Um, and I ended up having a great experience. So I think my senior night, um, at my senior year, I was just like, God, I can't imagine life without volleyball. So that kind of not knowing if I was going to be a good coach or not, I just thought maybe I would stay in college athletics. Maybe I could be an athletic director. Um, I knew that that was the direction I wanted to go. I just, I wasn't really sure how to get there quite yet. So then that started in your native Buffalo, correct? At Canisius for a couple of years? Yes. Yeah. I was like thinking, I really, I went to school for marketing business. I love talking to people. I was like, maybe I'll do the pharmaceutical sales route. Um, you know, my mom worked for a dermatologist and I always loved when the sales reps came in with like food and stuff. I was like, I could do that. (laughs) So, um, I think I went to uh, kind of uh, acquaintance was the head coach at Canisius College at the time, and they needed graduate assistants. And I was like, hell, I could go and, you know, get my master's and, and see if this coaching thing is something I want to do. And um, that really, like, solidified. I was like, I think, I was like, this is fun. I think I want to do this. Then you had the opportunity after two years in Buffalo at Canisius to go back to your alma mater, and you had a great run at Seton Hall with the school's first ever NCAA tournament birth. Yeah, yeah, that was, um, you know, I think in all my my coaching experience, I've never been a part of a huge staff, so it's always been, I was always the only assistant. So when I was at Seton Hall, it was only the head coach and myself. So I kind of, and being brought up in Buffalo, um, you know, my dad worked at Goodyear for Goodyear Tire. My mom was a secretary for a dermatologist. Um, we, My siblings and I, we were just brought up like super blue collar so everything like in the coaching profession, like I just had to like claw and work and earn everything that came my way. So at Seton Hall, I really, I mean, I was in, in New Jersey, the cost of living there is ridiculous. So I was working as an assistant full time and nannying full time after work. So I was just like, what am I doing here? Like, you know, I got this apartment that is costing me an arm and a leg that I literally just sleep in because I'm working to pay for it. Um, you know, and I started with this little girl and she was six months old. And when I left Seton Hall, she was going to be four. Um, so it just, yeah, Seton Hall was a great experience. Living in New Jersey makes it tough. Um, but I was, when the right state position came up, I was, I was ready for a change, I think. Well, let's talk about that for a little bit. Obviously going through that and working the two jobs and the odd jobs at times, 
does show an incredible amount of passion for this. So you at least had to feel really good about the fact that the path you chose was the right one because you're going to fight your way through it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, something that was important, like going to Wright state and then taking the Illinois state job is I just didn't want my players or my staff to think as a head coach that I was above anything. You know, I didn't like skip steps. I'm like, I've done it all. I was a GA, you know, I was an only assistant and I just, there's not a single aspect of my program that I don't know anything about. Or if one of my assistants was out sick, I couldn't carry his load and be like, oh, what? I've never ordered a sandwich before. How the hell do I do that? Mayo or tomato? (laughs) Um, So I just think that that experience of just really grinding and working and nannying and it, it just really... I was just like hungry for a position that I was like, God, what would it be like to have a staff, you know? And then when I, when I got to Wright state again, it was just me and and my assistant Danny and, you know, we would beat teams like Notre Dame and Dayton and and Michigan state. And, you know, we're going down the line, like saying like, good job, good job, good job to all these people. And I'm like, what do all you people do? (laughs) So I have a staff now and it's crazy. I've never, I've never experienced anything like it. Well, let's go back to the right state move. And after the 2017 season at Seton Hall, you make the move to right state. Obviously, seven years at your alma mater as an assistant during that run with the Pirates. You know, assistant coaches oftentimes think, boy, I really want to be a head coach. And pick and choose. Some think, well, every job's created equal. A head job's a head job. But as an assistant coach, you really want to put yourself in a position where you can go somewhere infrastructure-wise and be successful so it's not your one and only head job. You saw something in Wright State in a program that had 14 consecutive sub-500 seasons that nobody else saw when you took over. What was it that made it appealing to go to Wright State? Absolutely. Yeah, um, so... Wright State initially called my boss at Seton Hall, Allie Yeager, who was an alum at Wright State. So when her and I um, were working at Seton Hall, when we would come to the Midwest to recruit, we would stay with all of her old college teammates who she met at Wright State. She met her husband at Wright State. Like, she just... They, they showed me pictures and their Wright State Raiders, their all their gear and what they did and their experiences and um, I remember her just saying, like, that, that that was the best four years of my life. Like, there is something going on in Dayton, Ohio, at Wright State University. Um, and they originally called her, and she just was like, you know what? This isn't the right step for me, but you should interview my assistant. And I'm sitting over in the next room, and I hear her on the phone. I think I was making an itinerary, probably being like, pick up sandwiches at Jimmy John's at 430. <laughs> you know, checking the clock, see when I have to go pick up the baby. Um, and I just remember she hung up the phone and I was like, I, that wasn't, you know, my trajectory. I was like, I'm going to go be, you know, a a second assistant at a power five school. That was the next step for me. Um, and she was like, God, if if there's one thing I'm going to be able to do for you, I don't want you to leave me, but it's time to spread your wings. I think you'd be a great head coach. You've prepared for this. I think you should just gather your thoughts and just go interview, just interview and, and see what they have to offer. And, I just felt some sort of way when I was on campus and um, I just connected with the team immediately. And I, over my years as an assistant, I just put together like a vision of who I wanted to be as a head coach. And, um, you know, when you're taking over a team that's gone 
16 and 74 in conference over six seasons, I'm just like, how much worse could it get? You know, thank God it didn't. <laughs> it definitely did not. I think, I think this is worth stating you go, first of all, you take over the program, 14 consecutive sub 500 seasons. You go 15 and 14 in your first year in 2018. Over your final three years during your four-year stint, 64 and 16 overall, 41 and 6 in the Horizon League, two Horizon League regular season titles, one conference tournament title, two NCAA tournament bursts, and the two-time Horizon League Coach of the Year. So whatever vision you were thinking back at Seton Hall, you should probably publish and send to the American Volleyball Coaches Association because I'm sure there's a lot of people who would like to see that blueprint. Yeah, you know, it just, I remember our first season when we went, you know, 15 and 14, but that that first year, you know, I feel like I had a decision. I could go into that locker room and be like, all right, we're going to be first in conference. At the time, they were taking six teams out of nine to the Horizon League tournament. And I'm thinking, in sixth place, we didn't even have a winning record. So I don't know how many head coaches go to their team and say, I want to come in sixth place. Because that was something, they hadn't been to the conference tournament in a decade. Like, my, my team was like nine the last time that happened. <laughs> so we have a video that I still have to this day that hopefully one day I can share with you. But it was, we were waiting for a team to upset another team to even clinch that sixth seed. And we, we clinched and we our locker room went nuts when we got in sixth place. And... You know, it just, we, I just had immediate buy-in, and there was a lot going on uh, culturally within the program when I inherited it, um, and they were talented volleyball players from really, really good clubs in the Midwest, but that culture piece that I think people talk about so often is just, it, it's so important, and I hate to sound like a broken record and cliche and culture and family, but... The, the programs that can't find it and can't figure out a way to put it together are just programs that don't do well, you know? So, four years at Wright State, just outside of Dayton, Ohio, the opportunity at Illinois State opens up. Leah Johnson finishes her five-year run in normal, four consecutive NCAA tournaments. First of all, what was appealing about Illinois State to you as a head coach? Sure, yeah. I uh, I remember that it was in that little and I remember saying to myself, damn, that's a good job. Like, I just, I, I, I remember just knowing that, um, you know, when we, in 2014, when we got our at-large bid at Seton Hall, we actually went to Illinois State and battled it out with them in Redbird Arena. I think it was like a five-set match. Um, and it was just, Illinois State Volleyball is just one of those mid-major schools that you always hear about that they're always at the top of the valley. They're always going to the NCAA tournament. Um, I just, I knew about Illinois State Volleyball. I knew that the Illinois State Volleyball Championships for high school are played in Redbird Arena. Um, I just, I just was really familiar. And I think being in the Horizon League and we would go play Missouri Valley teams in preseason. So we would play UNI, Illinois State, um, Southern, you know, schools like that. So I was familiar with them, you know, in general. And I just... I, I just feel it. I'm like, either I'm going to apply, they're going to call me. I, I just knew it was kind of only a matter of time. So Now, leaving is never easy. Um, from a wins and loss standpoint, from a career path standpoint, the coaching profession, Horizon yeah. League versus Missouri Valley, 
a successful program at Illinois State that you're taking over after completely rebuilding Wright State made perfect sense to everybody. However, that romantic aspect of coaching gets involved and those relationships and that family aspect you have with your student athletes, how difficult was that process in kind of making the move? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, telling my team that I was leaving was one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to do professionally, but personally as well. And I think, you know, for your athletes, like you always get them in the same chapter of their lives. You know, they're 17 to 22 years old. That's the time block that as coaches we get to work with. But as student athletes, you're going to get your coach in different chapters of their lives, you know. Um, So I just think telling them and all while telling them why where I was going was almost better than what what I was leaving it was so hard to be honest about my move but also respect everything that we had built together um and the memories and and because of what we accomplished together that is why this opportunity at Illinois State came up so um and I think the majority of my athletes at Wright State knew that you know this was a long time coming and we're glad that she stayed as long as she did and um I just think it was those those girls were like god I wish I was done before she left or after she left or stuff like that so it was it was difficult but now that the dust has settled and a new staff has been hired at Wright State and kind of some time is between us it's it's gotten a lot better and the relationship aspect and really being as best you can be a role model for your student athletes that's a really important piece of your coaching philosophy isn't it yeah I think that it's it's I always think of uh like every once in a while if you pick up like a trashy like magazine at the checkout counter at the grocery store and it says like celebrities are just like us and they show like Ben Affleck eating a sandwich and I'm like well yeah like he's got to eat <laughs> like you know like Madonna pushing a shopping cart you know and I just think that sometimes coaches are just put on this pedestal that you know we don't eat we don't grocery shop we don't drink a beer with our friends and um, I think that that like employee employer relationship, you know, or treating your players like it's a business relationship can only get you so far in the long run. Um, so I just think like my athletes, like I'm, I'm not just a coach. That's not just how I identify. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a fiance, I'm a friend. And I think the more that your student athletes can see you like as a person, when stuff's hitting the fan and you got to look at a kid and be like, let's go, it's, it's go time, they look at you and they know you and they know who you are. So those hard moments are easier to fight for you and your team and, you know, when you have that kind of relationship. That kind of transformational relationship so much more so than the transactional one that I think oftentimes gets lost in coaching. I mean, from a standpoint yeah. of trying wins and losses being paramount. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's something that I've – learned and I've you know everyone's like what's the next step for you what's the next step for you and um you know I think as coaches it's just always bigger better bigger name more money greener whatever it may be and I think I'm just trying to stay grounded and stay in the present and um you know I think that there's certain like demands and you know everyone talks about the power five and until someone tells me something good about the power five and what it's done for themselves as a coach, as a professional, as a family, I think I'm going to stay right here. (laughs) So I just think that that cutthroat 
you know, got to do whatever it takes to win is just not what I've been able to identify with throughout my career. Um, so I knew Illinois State could give me the best of both worlds, that I could get that big school vibe, but there's still a blue-collar family culture in everything that Illinois State is that makes me, obviously, I, I have an expectation, but it gives me a comfort of like, all right, you know, if, if I have, you know, three injuries or, or something goes on, it's not going to be like, all right, you have one more year, or you're out of here. Right, exactly. So. The expectations that you mentioned are obviously a little bit different this time around for you as a head coach. You know, this is a program that's been successful, not only the last five years, but even prior to that. You took over Wright State one before you rebuilt it that was really struggling. So how is that framework change at all your approach to taking over a new program this time around? Yeah, I just think it's more of like a priority shift. You know, like when I was at Wright State and it was just a two-person staff, um, there was always something that got put on the back burner because, you, you know, like when we were in season and we were, you know, traveling and film and scouting, we couldn't, we would get an email from a recruit and be like, huh, cute, I'll talk to you in three months when season's over. Like we couldn't. And then, you know, we, we wanted to do stuff with alums or with donors. And it was like, I don't have time because – so I feel like here, you know, at Illinois State, I can really be a head coach and talk to donors and form relationships with alumni and, and things like that. So I think that those expectations, they're not they're not unrealistic. They're like, hey, we are giving you everything you need to be successful. And if there's anything else that we can do for you, we will do it. Um, so I think it's, while it can be like overwhelming or just a little bit intimidating, it's like a welcomed challenge and it's a healthy expectation and standard instead of we're going to give you this much and we expect you to do this at Illinois state. We're going to give you everything in the world and we expect you to do what that allows you to do with it. That makes sense. Absolutely. And you've mentioned it a couple of times. I think this probably be a really good time to kind of introduce your coaching staff to people and just yep. how you went about kind of putting that staff together. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Matt DePaw, um is kind of in that uh, recruiting coordinator, um, my right-hand man role. Uh, he is coming from Central Michigan, and he was there for four seasons, kind of in that recruiting coordinator role, working with the offense, training setters. Um, and Matt is just – I've always – I've always more connected with Matt, like – you know, when we're in a professional setting, but like when we were at the final four in Columbus um, and just being able to talk with him and my former assistant at Wright State, Danny, Danny and Matt grew up together. Um, so about a month before Illinois State called, my assistant at Wright State took the Clemson assistant job. Um, so our timing just didn't match up. And so he was like, hey, you know, you should really give Matt a call. I think you guys would get along great. Um, so I gave Matt a call and kind of did the same thing to him as Illinois State did to me. He was just hanging out on a Tuesday, and I'm like, hey, you want a job? <laughs> so um, Matt's been great. He's really passionate about recruiting and, and building relationships, and we just are on the same level with our values. And um, and Hayden uh, is coming to us from Cincinnati. So he was working for them as a volunteer, and he just finished a very successful playing career at George Mason. He was an All-American there um, and just – for, for him to be able to um, just relate to our student-athletes of what they're going through and, and things like that. And he's also 6'8", which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, so he's really excited to get in the gym. And he's just 
you when I made a hire like when I hired Hayden you can kind of see yourself in like that first I'm like I'm the first person that gave him an opportunity and I remember the first person that gave me that opportunity um so he's all like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed you know that um and then Steve Rosala he uh, was working as an academic coordinator at Illinois State, um, and he was he did his undergrad at ISU. He did his graduate degree at ISU. So he is a bird through and through. Um, he knows more about Illinois State than I do at this moment. So um, he's working in our director of ops role, and he's just been he's just been great. So we our staff is just we're just everyone so excited he's in you know i got this going on or this like everyone we're all just on the same page which has been awesome so now not to put you on the spot by any means but you're inheriting a ball club that went to the NCAA tournament last year 19 and 14 and i think they were the youngest team in the valley at least on yep. paper so you're taking over yep. a ball club what are your expectations you had said that when you were at Wright state in the horizon league you played a lot of non-conference games against valley opponents you're probably very familiar with the valley at this point what kind of are your first, maybe first couple of your expectations for this program moving forward? Absolutely. I think, you know, inheriting the young roster, but losing Tam uh, to Georgia Tech. So she, um, you know, wanted, she's from New Zealand and just wanted like a bigger city. Um, and unfortunately, Bloomington Normal isn't the bustling metropolis that she was looking for. Um, so unfortunately, that decision was kind of made before I was able to get my hands on her. Um, and then Aaliyah Moore, who was another freshman that had a great run her first first year, went to Michigan State and is playing for Leah. Um, so I think losing those two pieces have been difficult. So I think that there's kind of like a shift in leadership and just kind of like redefining roles and um, – I think for the last couple of years, Illinois State Volleyball has kind of con- consisted of, oh, we have, you know, those couple of players that every ball is going to. You know, you know where the ball's going, and, and those two players are kind of the face of the program. Um, and I think my big goal is to kind of incorporate, you know, a more versatile offense of being like, you got a game plan for everybody because everyone can put balls away. Um, so I just think, like, I'm excited about our non-conference schedule and playing some big dogs in there just to kind of test us. And um, I, I don't know. I just think, like, redefining, like, our culture and what we stand for. And we have a great group of freshmen that it's it's great to have a big group like that because they don't know any different. Uh, so it's not like I have a huge senior-laden roster where it's like, oh, gosh, they're going to be like, well, we've always done it this way, so why would we change anything? Um, I think what's great about this roster, they've been so open to whatever changes I want to make. But back to the relationship piece, I asked them first, what are things that you love about Illinois State Volleyball that you don't want to change? And what are some things that if you never had to do again for the rest of your life, I might consider getting rid of? Um, so I think striking that balance and kind of being like, "What? tell me about Illinois State Volleyball and, and what it's meant for you was kind of like a pivotal time in our relationship. I, I wasn't just coming in guns blazing, being like, we're going to do it this way. I think that's been really important. Any thoughts on the schedule, not only this year, which I'm sure was well in place by the time you got hired, but moving forward, the kind of matches you want to see in Redbird Arena? Yeah, I think that there's always, you know, I think the non-conference is, it's just such a cool opportunity to go to maybe geographically a state that you never would go to because of your conference schedule or, 
you know, next in 2023, you know, we'll have a recruit coming from out West. Like, guess what? We're going to go out West for a non-conference slate. Uh, so I think that's just a really cool opportunity, but scheduling is not easy. So I was kind of happy to be like, Oh wow, this has all been done for me. And we, you know, we moved a couple of things around, but, um, no, I think it's, I think some balance is great, you know, play some opponents that, Hey, on paper, you know, we, we shouldn't beat this team. And sometimes, you know, you catch a team snoozing and you can steal a match or two. So I think we have great balance, but also matches that will really see, tell us where we are going into conference play. Well, coach, I really appreciate the time today. I wish you the best of luck this fall. Look forward to meeting you down the road in Bloomington Normal as well. But thanks so much for your time. Yep, thanks. Congratulations. Glad that you're with us. Thank you. That's Redbird head volleyball coach Allie Matters. Redbirds will open the 22 campaign on August 26 at the University of Cincinnati. That'll do it for us in this edition of In the Nest for Allie Matters and our entire crew. This is John Fitzgerald. We'll talk to you next week on In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. This has been In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.